This episode is brought to you by our sponsors and by listeners like you on Patreon. Bomba's vision is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need. Bombas has designed their socks, shirts, and underwear to be the clothes you can't wait to put on every day. The Webb family over here has used them, and we love them. They're comfy, fun-looking, and come in family packs, which is awesome. I've never seen that before. I use my Bombas socks when I go on runs, and they're extremely comfortable. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a cozy feel. And the Bombas t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and perfect waist so they hang just right. And did you know that socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters? That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. So far, Bombas customers like you have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. Go to bombas.com slash purple rocket and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash purple rocket for 20% off. Bombas.com slash purple rocket. Parents, school's out, summer's here, and the kids are back at home with a lot of free time. Go wild with wonder this summer without school. Enroll in a fun, flexible learning experience with over 140,000 online classes and camps for every kid with any interest. Look, as a fellow parent, I get the pressure of finding something engaging and useful for our kids to do over the summer break. OutSchool can help keep them engaged and their minds stimulating their imaginations firing. They offer every kind of class you can imagine, from entrepreneurship to freestyle dancing to art, even magic lessons. There's something for kids of all ages, grades, and interests. We homeschool in the web house, and we plan to get Aurora and Cohen signed up with some out-school activities to keep them engaged in a fun way and help them explore their talents and maybe discover some new ones. Out-school will have your kids loving to learn and having fun doing it. Head over to outschool.com slash purple rocket and use code purple rocket to learn all about out-school summer programs and save $15 on your child's first class. That's O-U-T-S-C-H-O-O-L dot com slash purple rocket to save $15 on your child's first class. Outschool.com slash purple rocket code purple rocket. And don't forget, parents, supporting our sponsors is a great way to support this podcast. And now, back to our show. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents Grandpa's Globe. Previously on Grandpa's Globe, Grandpa and the twins explored New Zealand, where they were sent on a quest to retrieve another magical artifact. The magical artifact turned out to be an old-fashioned camera that freezes people when you take their picture. A musketeer globetrotter named Dante got to it before them and used it to freeze members of the Black Feather, who were planning on taking the camera back to their leader, Captain Drake. 
Before freezing them, Dante found out from the members of the Black Feather that Captain Drake was anchored off the coast of Argentina, and so he set out with Grandpa and the twins to confront the leader of the Black Feather. But before they left, Sawyer startled Dante, who snapped a picture and froze Sawyer. With a statue for a brother, Susie now has to drag Sawyer along with them as they set off for Argentina. And now for episode 8, Argentina and the Treasure of Captain Drake, part 1. The crow-shaped jet skimmed over the sea of clouds on its way to Argentina. In its cockpit, Susie sat next to her frozen brother and dabbed his forehead with a wet rag. Oh, Sawyer, I'm so sorry, she said, dipping the rag in a bucket of warm water. Susie felt like she could have prevented Sawyer from getting frozen by the camera. Maybe if she had made some noise to warn Dante that they were approaching in the cave, he wouldn't have been so startled when they bumped into each other. Since the moment they stepped onto the jet, Susie had been searching the guidebook tirelessly for some kind of clue on how to unfreeze her brother. But so far, there was nothing. Grandpa wasn't much help. He was sitting in the chair next to her, plugging one ear and speaking loudly into his cell phone. No, Ellie, I said we're fine, he repeated for the third time. I know we missed our deadline. Yeah? Uh-huh. Well, I'm sorry I forgot to call. No, no, we're just taking a small detour. Dante, who was steering the jet, looked over at Susie. Does he always talk this loud into that thing? Susie nodded. Pretty much. Well, hopefully we don't have to be too sneaky around Drake's crew when we get to Argentina, Dante said, setting his cavalier hat down on the control panel. Heaven help us if we do. Maybe we can convince him to hang back with the jet? Grandpa pulled the phone away from his ear and scowled at him. In your dreams, tight pants! He immediately put the phone back to his ear and continued talk-shouting with Grandma. Dante adjusted in his seat, suddenly self-conscious. They're not that tight. They're just stretchies, all. They keep me nimble during a sword fight. Grandpa rolled his eyes and shook his head. Dante looked over at Susie, who was flipping through the guidebook's pages for the hundredth time. Look, Dove, I'm really sorry about your brother. I'm sure we'll find a way to turn him back into his peachy self in no time, all right, see? He grimaced at Sawyer's ridiculous gaping frown expression. Ugh. Got to wake him up before a bird makes a nest in that mouth of his. I'm working on it, Susie grumbled, not looking up from the page. Why don't you take a load off for a minute, lassie? You'll worry yourself sick. Why don't we talk about beautiful Argentina, huh? What do you want to know? Susie said, still looking over the page. Dante twirled his long, thin mustache. Actually, that's not really what I... It's a large country in the southern part of South America. 
It's bigger than Mexico and Texas combined, and the primary language spoken there is Spanish. Uh, No, Dove. I was just saying. It's home to Patagonia, a scenic region along the border of Argentina and Chile that apparently has amazing views of the Andes Mountains and glaciers. Now, hold on. This isn't what I... The Argentinian people invented tango dancing and enjoy the game of football or soccer. Susie, Dove... This is getting really annoying. Argentina's famous foods include empanadas, which are fried stuffed pastry pockets, and mate, an herbal tea that they drink from a straw called a bombilla. Okay, stop. Dante was exhausted just listening to her. Susie calmly looked up at him. I've read the page on Argentina enough times to memorize it. So to answer your question, no, I don't want to talk about it. Dante's mustache turned up in a dimpled smile. You're a clever one, little lassie. No doubt you'll do us more good on this mission than this old bag of skin. He nodded to Grandpa, who scowled back at him. Have you tried giving the camera another look-see? Dante asked. Maybe there's a clue somewhere on it. It is what caused this problem in the first place. No, you are what caused this problem in the first place. I'll check. Susie bit the side of her lip. She hadn't thought to look over the camera. Scooping it up, she started turning it over in her hands, looking for an inscription or strange symbol or something. She couldn't believe how big the flashbulb was on this thing, and the body of the camera behind the lens almost looked like a scrunched-up accordion. After turning it over a few times and scrutinizing every little detail, she finally gave up and set it down. As she did, a little door popped open in the back of it, and a roll of film sprang out. Intrigued, Susie picked it back up and held the roll of film up to the light. Her mouth dropped open as she saw images of people, one after another with shocked expressions. The first was of Sawyer, standing in the cave with his hands up, looking like he'd just seen a bus racing towards him. As she scanned further and further along the roll of film, she saw people from different time periods with similar expressions. Some were hippies from the 60s, some looked like they were from the 80s and 90s, and some were dressed as if they were from the Middle Ages. With an eyebrow cocked, she pulled the film out faster and faster until, click, she reached the end and squinted up at the last image. It wasn't a person. It was writing. I've got something, she said excitedly. Splendid, Dante exclaimed. Oh, oh, okay, Ellie. I gotta go. Love ya. Grandpa quickly pressed some random buttons on the phone, trying to hang up, and then just gave up and tucked it away in his pocket. He looked at Susie. What'd you find? Let's see... Susie held the film strip up to the light and got as close as she could so she could read the tiny words. It says, With a flash of light, your limbs with seas, salt from the earth will thaw the freeze. That's it? Grandpa said after a moment of silence. Susie looked at him and scrunched her face in confusion. Salt of the earth will thaw the freeze? Salt, eh? Grandpa stroked his beard. Aha! He reached into his pocket and pulled out a little bag. Mini pretzels! Nice and salty. 
Those pesky airlines have made it so I can't fly without them. Here, see if these do the trick. He opened the bag and handed it to Susie. With some reluctance, Susie carefully placed a tiny pretzel into Sawyer's gaping mouth. They waited anxiously for something to happen, but Sawyer didn't so much as blink. Here, let's try a few more. Grandpa basically poured the entire bag of pretzels into Sawyer's mouth, and again, nothing seemed to happen. Grandpa, he's gonna choke! Susie grabbed Sawyer's shoulders, leaned his stiff body over and shook him like a malfunctioning gumball machine until all the pretzels came falling out. She frowned at Grandpa. What? It was worth a try, Grandpa said. He took the bag back and checked for crumbs. Shucks! That was all of them, wasn't it? Looks like we'll have to figure it out in Argentina, Dante said, nodding out the window. We're here. Down below, they could see three pirate ships anchored in a line in the harbor. The one in the front was the biggest, a black ship with white sails. The second ship in the middle was shorter and brown, and the one at the end was narrow, tall, and dark green. Little dots were moving up and down the ramps between the dock and the ships. They were clearly in a hurry. They're finishing up their load, Dante said, watching the little dots scurry below. They'll be expecting us to pack the camera along with the rest of the loot. Then, once it's all on board, Captain Drake will set off for another time and place to collect some more. It's like a hunger that can never be satisfied. So what's the plan? Grandpa asked. I'll land in the parking lot by the dock. While I do that, you grab the black feather uniforms out of that closet. Put them on and deliver the camera onto the brown ship. It's usually holding the biggest treasure since it's most protected, being flanked by the other two ships. Just act like all the rest of the goons carrying stuff on board, and you should be fine. They might get a little suspicious of the girl, but it isn't beneath Drake to use children to do his grunt work. These ships have a tiller connecting to the rudder. You'll find it exposed in the very back of the hull. Break it with whatever you can, and then move on to the next ship and do the same. You want us to sabotage Captain Drake's ships? Susie asked. Dante took his cavalier hat off the panel and delicately put it on. We don't want that monster getting away with the Globetrotter's most precious treasures now, do we? We won't be able to take on his entire crew by ourselves, but the least we can do is stall them until we can get more help. He looked at Grandpa. Try not to make so much noise while you do it. In and out, then come straight back, okay, sis? I'll look for Drake in the black ship. That's where the captain's quarters are. Dante gazed out at the ship longingly. My sword's been missing him dearly. You're going to kill him? Susie said. I'll try, yes. Don't look so surprised, Dove. This is Captain Drake we're talking about. A ruthless pirate and leader of the Black Feather. I'd be doing everyone, especially the Globetrotter Society, a favor if I can end it here. You clearly have some history with this man, Grandpa said, raising a bushy eyebrow. I wouldn't be here if I didn't, Dante said, stroking his thin mustache. Let's just say, the captain and I go way back. 
way, way back. He looked at Grandpa and smiled. It's a story for another time, mate. What about my brother? Susie asked. Was that? Oh, yes, well, he'll stay here, of course. No way! He's coming with us! Grandpa, tell him! Grandpa scratched the back of his neck. He is kind of dead weight at this point, Suze. He'll probably be safer here with the jet. Susie put her hands on her hips. And what if they come take the jet while we're on the ship, huh? And how are we supposed to figure out how to unfreeze him if we can't take him out? Dante threw up his hands. If you want to lug the ghastly lad around, be my guest. Just make sure you come up with a clever excuse to give the crew when they see him, huh? No problem. Susie hopped up and tucked the guidebook into her bag. Here, lay him across my lap, Grandpa said. Susie carefully laid Sawyer's stiff body across the armrests of Grandpa's wheelchair. Just like that. Good. Grandpa looked down at his grandson. You're lucky I have this chair, Sawyer. Otherwise, we'd be rolling you out of here. Dante landed the crow jet in the parking lot near the docks and then joined Grandpa and Susie as they put on their black feather coat disguises. Then, Dante pulled a lever and the exit door opened. Before he stepped out, Susie handed him the magnifying glass. In case you need it, she said. Dante looked at it confused. A magnifying glass? Thanks, Dove. But maybe this would be a bit more useful for the old man. I can see just fine. Grandpa shot him a stink eye. Oh, sorry, you tell it to show you whatever you want to see, Susie clarified. It's one of the magical artifacts. It might help you find Captain Drake. Ah. Dante turned the magnifying glass over in his hand, impressed. That'll do just fine. Remember... Come straight back after you've cut the tillers, eh? Got it, Susie said, and the three of them exited the jet. Almost immediately, two crewmates wearing black feather coats approached them at the dock. One of them was big and bald and had a unibrow. The other was an old, lean man with a witch-like nose. About time you got here, said the bald one. Captain's been getting antsy. Where's the camera? It's in this bag, Grandpa said, showing the two men the bag with the camera in it. You know where to take it? the big man asked. The brown ship? That's right. Congratulations, you know your colors. Best you get it in there and find a dark hole to hide in before the captain sees you. We don't like it when a delivery's late. Right away, then. Grandpa started to steer the wheelchair around the men, but the witchy old man stepped in front of him. What's with the boy? he asked. The two men looked at Sawyer confused and repulsed. Dante hung back and swallowed nervously. We thought the captain would like to see proof that his treasure works, so here it is, Susie said confidently. Really? the bald man said, amazed. That camera did this? The old man poked Sawyer as if the frozen boy were an alligator about to chomp at his hand. The bald man chuckled. <laughs> Captain's gonna love this. Oh, now I can see why he wanted it so bad. 
Worth the wait, definitely. Go on then, put it in the ship and get out of here. We're already late for our last trip. Last trip? Dante suddenly asked, stepping out from behind Susie and Grandpa. He was trying to hide his face under his hat's shadow. The two crewmen considered him when he appeared, trying to place his familiar face. That's right, the bald man said. Captain's got one more treasure to get to, and he's itching to find it. The lantern, he calls it, added the old man. Don't know why it's so special, but then again, didn't know why that camera was so special either. Probably full of magic it is. The big man backhanded the old man's arm. Enough talking. The captain doesn't like it when we talk about his collection. He doesn't like it when we chit-chat about the piles of gold and jewels and art and weird magical goon idiots in these ships, am I right? He looked to Grandpa Susie and Dante, who nodded to him emphatically. Right, right. And he really hates it when we talk about our favorite time periods, he does, the old man added. Like when I say, wow, this period is full of magical treasures. No, 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 no. He doesn't like that at all. The big man slugged him again. Will you stop it? The crow might hear us, you doobillet. Sorry, sorry. There was a long, awkward pause as everyone exchanged a look. Anything else? Dante finally said in a cheery voice. No, no, get going, the big man said, waving them on. With a quiet sigh of relief, they headed for the ships. When they reached the ramps, the three of them checked to see if the two goons were out of sight and then split up, Susie and Grandpa boarding the brown ship while Dante headed for the black one in front. Susie saw Dante whispering discreetly to the magnifying glass as he walked. As Grandpa and Susie entered the ship's hull, they found themselves in a large, dark room, dimly lit by only a handful of lanterns on the walls. The wooden belly of the ship creaked around them as the water lapped against it. Seagulls circled in the harbor, and somewhere nearby sea lions barked at each other. Once they were all the way inside, their eyes adjusted to the darkness. Oh my... Susie's jaw dropped as she caught her first glimpse of the treasure. Gold coins, statues, necklaces, precious gems, and ornate chests were piled in the middle of the room, high enough to make for a good sledding hill. Grandpa was entranced by the overwhelming display of wealth, too. So entranced that he failed to get out of the way of the crewmate who was waiting for them to move so he could exit the ship. He cleared his throat loudly to get their attention. Oh, sorry, sorry, Grandpa said, rolling his chair out of the man's way. I mean, arr, matey, this be a lot of loot. I mean, shiver me timbers, right? <laughs> uh, know ye where we can take this here camera? Arr, yeah. Susie shielded her embarrassed face and shook her head, wishing more than anything that she'd suddenly become invisible. The crewmate raised an eyebrow at Grandpa and looked him up and down. Shiver me timbers? Are you serious? Where does Drake find these people, honestly? 
That camera, assuming it's the one we've heard about non-stop, to the point where I've seriously considered throwing myself overboard, can be placed with the rest of the magical artifacts on the far end. I'll tell the captain it's here. With that, the crewman stepped out. Alrighty then, Grandpa said. Uh, I need to watch more pirate movies. I don't think that's the problem, Susie assured him. Let's drop it off and find that tiller. They rounded the pile of treasure until they came upon a series of square wicker baskets hanging by the far wall. In them were various strange artifacts. An old pair of goggles, a really long pair of silver scissors, and even a World War II helmet. Susie opened a basket next to the helmet and Grandpa set the camera down into it. Then, carefully, Susie closed the basket and stepped back. Are you sure we're doing the right thing? She asked. Nope, Grandpa said. But as long as we break the ship's tillers, none of this treasure is going anywhere. At least anytime soon. So let's just say we're setting it down for now while we finish the mission. Susie nodded. Sounds good to me. Now where's that tiller? They continued into a far room behind the treasure pile and searched for the long wood beam. There it is! Grandpa said, poking his head around some boxes of dusty bottles full of amber liquid. A long beam entered through the ceiling and left through the floor down to the rudder. That's it, Grandpa confirmed. That's what steers the ship. Okay, how are we going to do this? Susie said nervously. Hmm. Grandpa looked over the buttons on his wheelchair, grunting annoyingly every time he had to move Sawyer's stiff body around to get to the controls. I don't know. How hard do you think Sawyer's head is? Not funny. Grandpa let out a high-pitched snicker. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, ah, here's something. He pressed a little blue button and a circular saw dispensed out of the front of the chair. Susie clasped her hands together. Perfect! Using the joystick on his armrest, Grandpa brought the saw to life and aimed it at the tiller beam. Dust sprayed everywhere as the saw chewed into it. A few more seconds and clunk! The tiller was cut in half and rendered completely useless. Ha ha! Grandpa quietly cheered. He and Susie gave each other a high five and Grandpa jokingly high-fived Sawyer's frozen outstretched hand. Silently, they made their way over to the next ship, the green one at the back of the line. A couple ships over, Dante was keeping his head low as he crept into the hull of Captain Drake's black ship. Every once in a while, he'd check the magnifying glass to see where Drake was. Show me Captain Drake, he'd whisper when no one was around. The glass would fill with the image of a man writing at a desk in the captain's quarters. Next to the man was a big upside-down globe sitting in a stand, and all around the room were old scrolls, strange trinkets, and computer screens. Quietly, Dante tucked the magnifying glass away and slowly stepped up the stairs towards the deck. Back in the green ship, Susie and Grandpa were already sawing away at the next tiller. After the brown ship, they were able to find this one quickly. Dust flew as the saw cut deeper and deeper into the beam. They're going to be bonking into each other left and right when they realize they can't steer, Grandpa laughed. It'll be like bumper boats. 
<laughs> Susie wasn't paying attention. She was looking at Sawyer. What about dirt? She wondered aloud. It said salt of the earth. Maybe if we cover him with earth, he'll snap out of it. What, you want to bury him now? <sighs> no, you're right. That's a stupid idea. Don't worry, we'll figure it out. He'll be blabbing our ears off in no time. Grandpa pushed the joystick a little further until, clunk, the tiller split. What was that? Came a voice up on deck. Grandpa and Susie froze. Did you hear that? Said the voice, muffled by the ceiling above. I think something broke. Well, what are you staring at? Go down there and see what it was. Grandpa and Susie looked at each other, horrified, as the sounds of footsteps came running down into the hole. Seconds later, three crewmates, two gruff men and a heavy-set woman, came bursting into the room. They stopped and stared in bewilderment. In front of them were three statues, one of a boy with a gaping frown and his hands up, another of a young girl with a ponytail making a similar expression but with one hand outstretched and the other held back by her ear. And the last statue, the strangest of them all, was of a bearded old man wearing a derby hat and sitting in a futuristic wheelchair with a big frozen smile on his face. What the blazes are those? said one of the crewmates. I don't know, but they're giving me the creeps, said the woman. Let's leave them alone. Just some old strange statues the captain's collecting. Hold on a minute, said the third. With one suspicious eye squinted, he slowly walked up to the statues to get a closer look. He started with the little boy statue. With his crooked finger, he poked its chest. Nothing. He moved on to the girl and waved his hand in front of her face. Nothing. Finally, he moved to the old man with the big goofy smile on his face. He got so close to this one that he and the statue were practically touching noses. Then, very carefully, he grabbed onto one of the statue's beard hairs, gave it a pinch, and pluck, he yanked it out. The crewmate smiled a sinister smile as he noticed the statue's eyes starting to water. His gaze fell on the split tiller behind the statues. Well, well, he said, flicking the gray hair to the side. I bet you all think you're so... In a flash, Grandpa pressed a button, making a fire hose pop out of the chair and... Foosh! A blast of water blew the man back into the boxes, shattering the bottles inside. The other two crewmates looked at the fake statues in amazement. Nobody touches my beard, Grandpa grumbled. Foosh, crash, foosh, crash. Dante, who is now on deck and standing right outside the captain's quarters, watched in the magnifying glass as the captain jumped up from his desk at the sound. Dante quickly hid around the corner as the captain came storming out. The rest of the crew swarmed around him and ran from their stations towards the commotion coming from the green ship. Blast, Dante muttered, gripping his sword in the shadows.
Okay, Rocketeers, I hope you enjoyed the first part of this episode. I'm sorry I had to break it into two parts because it got way too long. So stay tuned. In a couple weeks, you will get to hear the end of this episode, and I promise you'll love it. So stay tuned for episode two. And in the meantime, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get the podcasts. Send me your feedback. Tell your friends and family about this show. Share it on Facebook. Text a link to a friend or family member. Grow the Rocketeer community. I want to give a shout out to two very special listeners who are big fans of Grandpa's Globe. Ailey and Maeve from New Zealand, thank you so much for listening and tuning into the show. And Ailey, I hear you're a mind maker like Doug from Space Train. That is awesome. I want to give a special thanks and shout out to my mom, Roxanne Webb, for editing these stories. Like I always say, I have to blow through these really fast and she helps clean them up real nice. So mom, thank you so much for your help. And a big thank you to my wife and kids for making the sacrifice so I can take the time to make these stories. I love you guys. And Rocketeers, thank you so much for tuning into this show. I'm blown away that you're all loving these stories and that you keep coming back. I honestly didn't know if that would be the case. And so thank you so much for tuning in. And like I said, don't forget to check back in a couple weeks. Part two of this story coming your way. Till next time, this is your host, Greg Webb.